0: you're part of God's. Hey, good morning, church. We're, we are going to be in Acts chapter one today. We're starting a new series out of the book of Acts. So if you'd like to go there today, if you've got a Bible, you can. Acts is in the New Testament. It's fifth book in, I guess. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts is the next one. So it's in the second half of the Bible. If you don't have the Bible, don't worry about it. The words will be on the screen behind me or if you're watching online, The words will be down below. Hey, last week was a heavy week. It pastorally, we had a lot of burdens and those who are hurting at our church. I was hurting last week, and so I shared some of that from the pulpit. And you have been such a tremendous blessing to those families, to me personally. This week, I just want to thank you for that. And so I know I went off script last week. I'm not planning to do it this week. We'll see what happens. But thank you for how gracious you have been this last week, and and just. I see you continue to pray for those families who are hurting, and we'll end with the time of prayer together. And we're in Acts chapter one today. Hey, as, as as you go there, I heard this story recently. And I I keep thinking about it. In Afghanistan, since the overthrow of that government and the beginning of Taliban rule, you you know that this country is at a very difficult time. And I heard a story recently or read a story recently about one of the few remaining news stations still operating in Afghanistan. When the Taliban took over, most of those news stations were closed and shuttered and many of those reporters fled, as many as 90% of the reporters in Afghanistan fled the country. But the few that were left kind of banded together to this one news station that was just committed to staying and reporting on what was happening in Afghanistan. And one of the main storylines that they have followed is, and this is a tragedy, is the closure of schools for women and girls. Girls in middle school and high school can't attend school anymore in Afghanistan. And so this one news station has kind of been the beacon sharing that not only in Afghanistan, but around the world. And so there's this one young woman, she's 23 years old. Her name is Toba. I'm not going to try to pronounce her last name. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it justice. But Toba was working at another news station when the Taliban overthrew the government, and she thought about fleeing but decided instead to stay, and she eventually made her way to this one news station. And for the last year, her beat has been the closure of these schools for women and girls. And it's a really dangerous job. In fact, In the entryway to this little news station, they have this glass case where they have the cameras and the recording devices of reporters who have been killed in the last year. So she comes to work every day seeing those and knowing that she's in great danger. And so this reporter's talking to this young woman. She's 23, and he asked her, an American reporter who's over there, and asked her why she's staying. And she said this, she said, I would like to continue my struggle here. If I leave, who will be the voice of Afghanistan? She said. If I leave, who will be the voice of Afghanistan? Now, she and I were to sit down and talk about faith, I'm sure that we would dis- disagree, okay? But I have deep respect for her clarity of purpose, don't you? Like, she knows what she is supposed to do. No matter what, she's going to do it. She is going to be the voice of Afghanistan. Now, here's what I hope. I hope that each of us have thought as much about our purpose as she has at 23. Have you thought about what's your purpose? What are you here for? I'm not talking about your job, although your job may be part of your purpose. I'm talking about the reason that you exist in the world. Do you know what that is? I think Acts in chapter 1 is really helpful here. I'm going to try to show you that, but let me set it up first. Luke and Acts are one book. Uh, or you might think about like one play with two Acts. Act 1, Luke, and Act 2, it's Acts. So Luke is the story of Jesus. Acts is the story of the body of Christ, the church. Okay? They're separated by John and your Bibles, and that's kind of a long story. and I, I'll tell that sometime. But Luke and Acts are one story. So Luke begins in Luke chapter 3 with Jesus being anointed by the Spirit of God. Remember this? At his baptism, the Spirit of God comes onto Luke, or onto Jesus, I'm sorry. And immediately the Holy Spirit sends him out into the desert where he fights with Satan, our enemy. But then we're told in Luke chapter 4 that in the power of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, He returns, he comes to the synagogue, he takes up Scripture, and he begins to read. And listen as he describes his purpose in this world in light of the Spirit. This is what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because He has anointed me. Why? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Leave that up on the screen for just a second, if you don't mind. Jesus is very clear about his purpose. Now elsewhere, Jesus describes that he's been sent to seek and save the lost. We know in Mark that Jesus comes to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's all part of the purpose of Jesus but Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is on him. Why? To proclaim. You see that? To be the voice to speak on behalf of God in the world. That's what he's come for, he says. All right, now come with me to the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 1 starts, and you're going to see in Acts chapter 1, as early as Acts chapter 1, this pattern that we're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts. And here's the pattern. What happens to Jesus in Luke happens to us in acts so that what Jesus does in Luke we do in acts okay, that's the pattern let me show you this so Jesus tells them the holy spirit's going to come on them they're going to be anointed by the spirit just like he was and that happens in acts chapter 2 but this is how he describes what's going to happen look at this acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes on you why And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, So why is the Holy Spirit going to come on you and me? So that we might be witnesses. So that we might proclaim the things of God to the world. All right, so here's the first time you're seeing this pattern. We're going to see it again and again. What happens to Jesus, anointed by the Spirit, happens to us. So that what Jesus does we do okay when i wrote that line in the sermon as i was preparing it we do uh, it reminded me you know the name lance armstrong you know this name you all know i like bike riding well lance armstrong you know won seven tours to france and then didn't win those because he was cheating and um but he started a company and the company's called we do i didn't know what that meant i thought that was kind of a weird name for a company until i heard him describe it's a sports company described the purpose of the company and this is what he said Who rides their bikes so far that they can't pedal anymore and then keeps going? Who runs till their shoes wear out and then keeps running? Who believes that the most meaningful revelations emerge at the far edge of your limits? Who chooses courage over comfort zone, adventure over apathy, hardcore over ho-hum? We do. I was like, oh, that's good. That's good, Lance. Uh, But he left out, who cheats at the Tour de France? He do. He do. All right. Um, I was so proud of that joke. I told Lindsay that one. Mm, I was good. All right. Look at this. Before the Spirit comes on the people of God, they are really clear about why the Spirit is going to come on them. It's so that they might be witnesses to the ends of the earth. You might say it like this. Who will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth? We will. Who takes the gospel to the ends of the earth? We do. Gets us fired up. This is our purpose. You know, I don't know for years, Breeshan would say at the end of every worship service, still does sometimes, go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, I, I think it would be appropriate to add, go and be the voice of Jesus or the voice of God. The, the spirit of God has been poured out on us so that people might hear from God from us. Now that gets me fired up. And you're probably like, Eric, of course I get you fired up because you're somebody who speaks for God. Like that's, that is your purpose. That's what you've decided you need to do. I don't know that that's my purpose. I don't know that that's the thing for me. Let me show you something. Luke was written for this guy named Theophilus. I think we're going to throw his name up here on the screen. Theophilus. Okay. You don't run into a lot of those anymore these days. But Theophilus, we don't know much of anything about him. We actually don't even know if he was a person Because Theophilus, the name, can you tell what it means? Theo, that's where we get theology, God. Philo, that means love. City of brotherly love, Philadelphia. So what does his name mean? God lover. God lover. And a lot of people think that Luke's kind of using that name as a signal that this is not necessarily for one purpose, but this is for anybody who loves God. This story is your story. And it's notable that we still read this all these years later, even though it was written for one guy. But then Peter addresses specifically whether this is for everybody or not. And one thing you may need to know about Luke and Acts is they're written about two generations after the death of Jesus So two generations after some of the events they're describing, including this dramatic pouring out of the Holy Spirit on God's people at Pentecost, and probably like you and me, they're kind of wondering if all that stuff still applies to them. But look at what Peter says. He quotes Joel in his first sermon, the first Christian sermon. He says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. On all people, he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What does prophesy mean? Speak for God. That's what it means. Not tell the future. It means speak for God. And then he says, this promise, this is how he ends the speech, is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What God's doing here is he's promising that he's going to send the same spirit he sent onto Isaiah and Jeremiah and all these Old Testament prophets that he just sent in, in singular times and places in history before Jesus for one specific purpose, that one per- person would speak on behalf of him at this one time. Now that same spirit, the spirit of prophecy, is going to be poured out on everybody who belongs to him for all of you. that you might become a prophet, a witness to the things of God. So we don't often think about our purpose exactly like that, do we? And we definitely don't think about the purpose of the Holy Spirit as primarily this one. Uh, We know that the Holy Spirit, and Bresha mentioned one of these earlier, we know that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God's love poured into our hearts. That's what Paul says in Romans 5. He says, when you have the Spirit poured into your heart, you're actually experiencing the love of God. That's what it is. We know from Jesus in John 14 that the Holy Spirit is our counselor and our comforter. We're told that the Holy Spirit is an aid to us when we want to pray to God. The Holy Spirit helps us to talk to God. We know that the Holy Spirit is, our, is a seal, like a, steel, a seal stamped on our head that guarantees our inheritance forever. But what we might say about all those things, as beautiful as they are, that those are the ministry of the Holy Spirit to God's people. Those are not the mission of the Holy Spirit. You see the difference there? Those are the ways that God by His Spirit ministers to you and me, but pay attention. What is the mission of the Holy Spirit? It is to give you the power to witness to God in the world. That's the mission of the Holy Spirit. It's like Paul says in Acts chapter 13. He's talking to some people and he says, we had to speak the word of God to you. We didn't have a choice. It wasn't an, we, we couldn't just live a good life in your presence. And that's important. You absolutely need to do that. What does he say he had to do? We had to say something about God to you. We've got a, a teenage girl here. Uh, wonderful young woman who's grown up at this church, and she had a friend who she was going to school with that she invited to come to church with her. And this, this young girl didn't have a church home. And uh, she started sharing with her the, the love that she had for Jesus. And this, this young teenage girl, I don't, she may be and I don't know it, I don't think she's a Bible scholar. I don't, I don't think she's had years of like deep Bible training, she just started sharing the basics of her love for Jesus and invited this, this teenage friend to church. That young girl comes to church, starts going to HYG events, listening to HYG youth ministers just pour into her and decides she wants to give her life to Jesus and she's baptized at camp. Her parents this summer came to me and they said, "Uh, we're seeing this really incredible thing happen in our daughter and we want to know what that's about. So we started studying together and they were baptized about a week after their daughter. And then they've got a younger daughter who about a week later was baptized too after studying with Michelle. Michelle. And I think about that tremendous story, this like beautiful, awesome family whose lives have been radically changed because this one teenage girl realized that the mission of the Spirit was hers too. And she's not an expert in anything. She just said something on behalf of God, and it was the right thing. And there's a part of us that thinks like, why did it work? What was the magical thing that she said? Or what was Eric preaching about at the time? Or what were the HYG teachers teaching about at the time? And we want to think about like the right formula to get somebody in and for them to be convicted and give their lives to Jesus. And that just kind of betrays that we tend to think in terms of programs all the time. And what Jesus is telling us is don't think in terms of programs, think in terms of power. Like, this is going to work, not because of any specific program, as important as those might be. I'm going to talk about those in a few weeks. It's going to work because my spirit will give you the power you need. Uh, Have you ever, there's this old English word. Have you ever heard this word? The word is unction. It's hard for me to even say that word. Unction, it sounds like an intestinal issue. Like, I had a case of unction today. Um... Uh, unction is this old English word, and what the word means is the anointing of the Spirit of God on a person, specifically when that person is speaking on behalf of God. And so, if, if you want to kind of visualize it, you might think about unction like the confluence of two rivers. So there's the river of your preparation, everything you've thought about leading up to this conversation or this lesson or this presentation, there's everything you've prepared And that's one river flowing in. But then there's this much greater river that meets up with all of your preparation. And that river is the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, when you dare to speak for God, the Holy Spirit washes over you. And together, that river of your preparation and the river of the Spirit form this river that's so much deeper and more powerful and in some ways overwhelming. And we call that unction. And so I think that young teenage girl had a case of unction. You know, she didn't know the magical words to say. She just said something, and God, by the power of Spirit, made those simple words exactly what her friend needed to hear. I'm, I'm a part of this preacher's group. Um, our text thread is called the Unction Junction. And remember Schoolhouse Rock, conjunction junction what's your function you remember that okay that's my generation thing i guess um but the unction junction text thread is pretty great and there's a guy one of my good friends in the unction junction text thread i gotta stop saying that and um he said he let us know this a couple weeks ago he said guys for a couple months i've started this thing where i I wrote every name of every person at our church on an index card i put it put a stack in my office. And every week as I go to prepare my sermon, I grab four of those cards randomly out of the stack, four names from my church. And then as I'm preparing my sermon throughout the week, I pray over those names. That's all I'm doing. If I know of something going on in their life, I might pray over that thing that I know going on in their life. But really I'm just praying that somehow this sermon would speak to them. He said, guys, I want to tell you the craziest thing that happened to me. My second week of doing that, praying for four people out of hundreds at his church, my second week of doing that, I heard from one person after the sermon who called to tell me it was the most amazing thing. They needed to hear it, and it was one of the four I had been praying for. He said, I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. I didn't even tell my wife I was doing this. And one of the four I had been praying for was the only person who called me that Sunday to tell me how much that sermon had meant. Okay, why? Unction. The anointing of the Spirit of God. If you'll just say something, the Spirit's the one that takes the something you say and makes it matter to somebody. The Spirit does. So let me just you know, remind you, you know, the, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at that in a couple weeks. But before the Holy Spirit comes on them, they are very clear about why the Holy Spirit's coming on them why God is going to anoint them with the Spirit just like He anointed Jesus. They are very clear about it. They desire it. They expect it. They are praying for it. Their prayer is that God would pour out His Spirit on them and make them witnesses for His sake in the world. And they'll go on to say that it's not their eloquence, that makes them effective? Paul says he's not a good speaker. It's not their Bible knowledge, although they certainly knew the Bible and they refer to the Bible often. I don't want to diminish that, but what makes them effective is the Spirit of God. And we see that at the end of Acts chapter two, when after the first public Spirit-inspired witness after Jesus, Peter stands up to speak and thousands respond. 1000s were told, are cut to the heart by what he says. Now, maybe you hear this, You're thinking about, yeah, that is my purpose. Yeah, I am supposed to be somebody who speaks on behalf of God to those I know. And you're thinking about people in your life around you, and you're like, I'm going to say something to them this week. I'm just going to, I'm just going to. Put a little word in for Jesus, like Harold Shank, long-time preacher at this church, used to say, I'm just going to say something. And this kind of fire is rising up inside of you. And yet, here's my guess. If that fire is rising up inside of you, there's probably also a leaky faucet overhead dripping down on that fire trying to put it out, right? W- what is that source of anxiety? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Here's what I think it is. I think we are afraid nobody will listen. There's this uh, new movie on Netflix, and I'm not recommending the movie, but it has one scene that is really convicting. And the movie is Don't Look Up. Have you seen this? And the movie's about these scientists who discover that an asteroid is plummeting towards Earth and everybody's going to be killed on planet Earth unless we do something about it. Okay. And they discover this asteroid coming, and they get scheduled to be on what's basically the CBS morning news show, like Good Morning America kind of show. And they're going to be interviewed on this show about the pending end of the world. But before they go to the scientists, they tell this brief news story about this salacious Supreme Court nomination. And nobody can believe that this Supreme Court nominee got nominated. And then the next story right before the end of the world is about these two hip hop stars who've broken up but are reconciling, reconciling live and on the air. And everybody's so excited about that. And then they go to these scientists. They say, okay, now tell us about the end of the world. And so the scientists are like, here's their one shot to warn the whole world. And so they start sharing about this asteroid plummeting towards Earth, and the whole time the hosts are making these jokes about it. And the scientist rises up, she says, the end of the world's not supposed to be funny. And they're like, calm down. I keep thinking about that scene and what a reflection it is on our deep fear that in this world, nobody listens to what's important. they'll listen to anything else, but try to bring up something important to them, and they're probably not going to hear me. And that's that just slow drip faucet, dripping down on this fire rising up inside of you. I want to be a witness to God. I want to share the important things about the love of Jesus, the forgiveness and compassion we have in Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. I want to share that life-changing stuff, but nobody's going to listen to me if I share it. They don't care about what's important. You know that feeling? Well, there's this guy named Moses. I want to end with Moses' story. And God calls him to go and be a witness for him. He's supposed to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. But Moses says this. You remember what he says? He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? And he gets what you're feeling. What if they don't listen to me? I love what God says in response. Moses Who gave human beings their mouths? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. I love that. Acts begins with this promise that God is going to pour out his spirit, not only on people a long time ago, but on each one of us, you and me. And that the reason God pours out his spirit on us is so that we might say something for him. That's why. The Spirit is a comforter to us, a counselor to us, all those other things. Amen. But the mission of the Spirit, the reason God pours out the Spirit on you is because there's somebody in your life, and He just wants you to say something to them about God. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know the right thing to say. He'll teach you what to say. (laughs) What if they don't believe me? He gave you your mouth. Go and say something. Acts begins with that promise, and Acts ends with this other promise. Paul's describing his ministry, and he actually makes this pretty profound promise that I think applies to all of us. He says this. He says, I want you to know, God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and that word means everybody. It's been sent to the nations, to everybody. God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. They'll listen. Sometimes I tell you words to write down on your house or on a sticky note on your car. What if you wrote those three words down, stuck it on your dashboard? They will listen. Why? Not because of anything you say, but because the spirit will speak through you. That's why. Let me pray over you. God, I'm thankful for your body, the church. I'm thankful that people come here each week to worship you, to lift you high and glorify you, but also to be built up and prepared to re enter the world as they leave here. God, you equip them by your word, by worship, by their work, but God, we also know you equip them by the power of your spirit. I pray that right now, each in this room, they would think of somebody they know, like that teenage girl in the HYG did, somebody they know that they could just invite to come, somebody that they could just share something with about their love for Jesus. And God, we believe that they'll listen. You've told us they'll listen because of your Spirit and the power of your Spirit. So would you embolden us, God, to say something? And God, I want to lift up to you. We still have many in this church who are hurting. I want to lift up to you the Wilder family, God. I want to lift up to you Kostya, a missionary in Ukraine who continues to struggle with this health. God, I want to lift up to you families that are struggling to conceive and have a child. I want to lift up to you those families that are struggling as parents, parenting's hard. I want to lift up to our young people who are off at school somewhere, went to college maybe for the first time, went to work somewhere, out of state, far away. God, would you build them up? Would you bind them to us by the power of your Spirit? Would you comfort and console and guide, God, all of these people that we love because you do? And we pray this, God, in the confidence we have in your Son, Jesus Christ, who died and was raised by your power. We pray in his name. Amen.